Hello and welcome to season two of Inform's Meet Her podcast. My name is Terry Barclay and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I know that we're in for a treat today because joining me is Ani McNeil, Chief Human Resources Officer and Senior Vice President, Trinity Health Michigan and Southeast Regions. Welcome, Ani, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Terry. It's nice to be with you and, and thank you for inviting me to participate today. Well, I, you're, you're in a, a really interesting role um, at an interesting time. So I know we have a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. So how do you define and communicate the differences between diversity, inclusion, and equity in your organization? Well, that's a great question, a loaded question. Um, and I, I must admit that over the years, I've come to learn that there are distinct differences uh, between the three. And I'll share with you that most recently, I had a discussion with my team about equity and equality specifically. Mm -hmm. And most people, myself included, uh, thought equity was treating everyone the same, but learned, you know, that's really equality. So mm -hmm. I was wrong, I, I learned and, um, you know, I, I share that because oftentimes it's uncomfortable or it might make somebody feel really vulnerable to talk about DE&I um, topics because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to offend someone or even seem to be tone deaf um, on a topic. But the more we can create safe places, we can learn from each other um, and just communicate. But I'll, I'll go back to answering your question, um, you know, diversity includes all people um, a of a variety of differences um, and identities. And, you know, the best way I describe it is it's both visible and invisible. Um, individuals in group differences related to race, gender, orientation, gender identity, religious beliefs, you know, disabilities, um, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, uh, being left-handed. You know, I like to throw that in because I'm left-handed. Um, and, and, and the list goes on. But you know, most importantly, I think with diversity, we have to recognize that it's, it is both visible and invisible, right? And it includes all people. It's not just certain classes of people. Um, and, and with equity, you know, I think equity is being impartial and it's eliminating barriers, um, recognizing that each person has different needs and how do we allocate the exact resources and information and opportunities to reach an equal outcome. Um, and I'll give you an example of, of what I mean by that. You know, in healthcare, we are focused on equitable healthcare delivery and outcomes, um, since we know that disparities exist. You know, one way at Trinity Health that we create equity is to offer language translation services to our patients that may speak Spanish or Arabic or Japanese or, you know, different language um, so that we can help 
uh, eliminate the barrier of language. What a great thing. I'm so glad to hear you're doing that, by the way, I just have to say, but continue with your yeah. example. <laughs> um, and, and with inclusion, inclusion is a sense of belonging. You know, as an organization, if we have a culture that embraces and sustains a diverse and equitable workforce, and we truly make it part of our DNA, then we've achieved the end game, right? We have an environment in which all individuals are treated fairly, respectfully, and have equal access to opportunities and resources. And, you know, ultimately, individuals that decide to work for organizations, um, they want to feel that sense of belonging and they want to be able to contribute to that organization's success. You know, I don't, it, being in human resources for 20 plus years, I, I don't believe employees go to work to um, create um, failure or in, mm -hmm. ensure that organizations don't succeed. They go and give it their all and they contribute and they wanna feel that sense of belonging in return. And, you know, at, at Trinity Health, um, we're committed to doing this, you know, by, by listening, by partnering with and making it easy for our employees and for those that we serve um, to be our authentic selves um, without fear and judgment, without prejudice and with or inequitable treatment, you know, and, and that is that is reflective of all of our leaders um, and even our professional staff and our clinical staff. And we're, we're committed to doing that. We are continuing continuously um, having conversation around um, diversity, equity, and inclusion and how, you know, as leaders or colleagues in our organization, you know, we can um, help be that change. Um, and, and if I can give maybe one more example, Terry, on, on oh, how we're yes. focused on this, um, you know, with DE&I, you know, from an HR perspective, human resource perspective, you know, our team works very closely with community partners. We can't do what we do, you know, without the relationships that we have with, with community partners and, and even organizations like Inforum. Um, and when we partner, we begin to break through the barriers that exist for individuals um, who are underrepresented, who don't have the means to earn maybe a certificate or a college degree. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, we developed um, our Career Development uh, Center. And our Career Development Center provides, you know, internal and external individuals um, with coaching, you know, opportunities to explore career pathways and identifying resources to assist with the removal of barriers that may exist. If they don't have transportation, if they don't have daycare services, our partnership with, with our community um, partners help us to achieve those goals. And, and we created a learning path that we call Rise Up. And, you know, it stands for Reach Out, investigate, seek, and elevate. And, you know, it has been a very rewarding program for us to be able to not just say that we're an organization that wants to create diversity, that wants, you know, to eliminate barriers through, you know, providing equity and, you know, inclusion and, and be that welcoming organization, but how are we doing it from the inside and how are we doing it from the outside in? Um, so I'm really proud 
of our team. I'm proud of our organization, you know, my leaders for providing me the opportunity and our team the opportunity to, you know, just get out there and seek ways that we can make a difference. What a fabulous program and example, Ani. I, you know, just listening to you talk about it, I was feeling welcomed and included, you know? I mean, I think you get, you really get the sense that it's a, it's a real resource where employees can go to start to explore how they can achieve even more of their dreams and yeah. uh, what a what a wonderful thing and I love the way you opened by talking about um, how sometimes the barrier to having authentic conversations about that is everybody's so afraid of saying the wrong thing right um, and you know we're not going to get anywhere if we can't find a way to create those safe spaces. So kudos to you for, yeah. for thank you. Rec- yeah, recognizing all of that. And 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 it kind of leads into our next question of, you know, what's your understanding of implicit bias? And how do you work? You know, I, I loved you the, with the Career Development Center, how you talked about how are we working on the inside? So how are all of us as individuals, how are you working to identify and address your, and address your own hidden biases? So I, you know, I, I, I focus on it and work on it, um, you know, one day at a time. And, um, you know, implicit bias is, is such an important um, a topic to talk about. And what I want to share with you is um, something that we did with our leaders a couple of years ago. Um, and then, you know, kind of share with you an experience, a personal experience that I had during that program. Um, so about three years ago, we rolled out unconscious bias learning program um, that was, you know, in-person facilitated to over 1200 leaders. And we did it over a couple of days. Um, about six hours in length, and um, we invited board members to attend with us because we, you know, we wanted this work to be really weaved in throughout our leadership team. Um, it was my first formal program on the topic, so I had not gone through, you know, in implicit bias or unconscious bias training before. You know, read a lot about it, and um, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, you know, being one of the leaders in the audience and we were going through a activity where um, the facilitators were showing us pictures of people and we had to determine, you know, what their profession was and um, just by looking at them, you know, what kind of person was this? Oh, wow. And, you know, I remember vividly um, seeing a picture of this lady who you know, if I describe it to you in words, you know, she was brunette, um, about maybe five nine, five ten, leaning up against, you know, a um, kind of a desk or um, or so. She had this really pretty floral dress on, beautiful necklace pendant. It had like a ruby in the middle of it. It was just beautiful. She looked like a teacher or maybe even a Sunday school teacher. And so that's kind of what I said she was. She was, you know, she was a teacher. Um, but the facilitator said, you know, she was a radical activist and I can't remember her name now. Um, but she was, you know, an activist and she <sighs> did so many times and, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
man, you know, an activist, I kind of see that person being full of emotion. I mean, what comes to mind for me is a big, mean looking white man, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and yet she was calm. She looked peaceful. Um, And after being told, you know, who she really was, I thought to myself, man, I got that one, you know, really wrong. Um, and, and that's just one example, right? I mean, we go through life and all of us have implicit bias, you know, it is, it's pervasive. Um, we all possess it. It's, it's not something that you can get rid of. Um, you just have to recognize it. Um, and at, at Trinity, we, you know, this, that was three years ago, we rolled out the program and every year we've been doing, you know, some form of education around it. And, you know, we continue to be committed around raising, you know, awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how as an organization and as a leader, I have personally committed, you know, to continuing to raise that awareness. Um, you know, we, as going into this year, as executive leaders, we are required to go through a, um, a virtual you know, facilitated learning program on racism um, that helps us focus on, you know, how to understand and identify, you know, Mm -hmm. implicit bias, um, how we can engage in having the meaningful conversations with our colleagues and with their community members um, and and just reinforcing, right? And and promoting um, inclusion and promoting um, a conversation around it. You know, I, personally don't believe that we can change people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I whole, wholeheartedly believe that, you know, when we raise awareness and when we create safe places to share um, and, and communicate and interact with each other, we can begin to see dramatic shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in continuing to talk about our implicit biases um, is, is important, uh, you know, for us to create that that inclusive work environment, right, um, that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it really goes back to something you said earlier, uh, which is employees wake up and come to work wanting to to do their best and wanting to contribute to the success of the endeavor. And um, I think we all wake up wanting to do our best uh, and what I find powerful about what, one of the many things I find powerful about the concept of implicit bias is, you know, it it allows us to see that um, these are issues that we all have, every mm-hmm. single one of us, and that it's not because we're mean, bad people. <laughs> right. right. And, and it gives you kind of a common uh, ground to stand on to start talking and start working. And it is lifelong work, as you pointed out, it's, uh, it's a lifelong commitment. It really is. And, you know, and just, um, again, more we talk about it, the more we begin to personally identify our own biases and, um, and how, how we manage, how we manage it, how we talk about it, I think just helps us with that shift overall. Yeah. So, How does the, you know, before we went live, um, we were talking about the rapid pace of change Mm -hmm. in the industry and the organization. So, so how does that rapid pace of change affect your leadership style? Maybe you could share a story about a time when you had to adapt to or implement a real change. 
So that's a, a, a really good question. And, you know, the, the story that comes to mind or the topic is um, the pandemic, um, COVID-19. You know, we've been almost a year um, in the pandemic. And as I, I look back and I think about how it has affected or impacted, you know, my leadership style, um, it has really taught us, personally taught me as a leader in, in our organizations, many organizations, um, how quickly we're capable of adapting to changes. Um, you know, we needed to become more agile and changes that would have taken us months and years now are taking us days and weeks and in, in some cases even hours and days, um, you know, to implement. Um, you know, for me, personal and work life had to adapt to the uncertainty the world was facing. Uh, everything changed, how we worked, how we interacted, how we were living our lives, how our teachers were teaching our kids, um, how our doctors were healing our patients, how we communicated with each other. You know, in, in bringing it closer to work, um, it was rough for the first few months. You know, everyone was seeking answers, support. Some wanted to move faster. Some wanted to move slower. And we needed to be okay with being imperfect. Mm -hmm. And as a health system, we needed to ensure that we could provide patient care to the sick. You know, our mission calls us to do that. Um, and and our mission, you know, calls us to, you know, transform into a healing um, presence and, and also support our colleagues who were getting sick and were unable to work. Um, they were scared, you know, there, a lot of that was happening. And the way we, we reacted to that is, you know, we put in a solid response structure um, and we implemented it at the corporate level and we mirrored it down to each region. And you know, we to this day we continue to meet several times a week, ensuring that information flows from the boardroom to the front line. And you know, I think when you're in such a, a change like this, um, communication and information flow could not be any more important. You know, it's it's critical um, to making sure that we're all moving in the same direction. You know, for for me as an HR leader. Um, it was the need to stay close and connected to the leadership team um, that looks up to me for direction and support. And <clears throat> we huddled twice a day, early in the morning and the afternoon. And, you know, that cadence allowed me to understand what was happening at the front line, um, what we needed to focus on, what changes we needed in maybe approach and practice and policy, you know, where I could advocate um, at, at the executive um, meetings on changes that we need to think through. And, you know, to this day, our, our HR huddles, you know, we continue to have them daily in the mornings. And, you know, it's, it's again, serves as an opportunity for me to see the team, connect with the team for us to, you know, just lean on each other um, for support, not just information, but it's also that emotional resilient support that we need from each other. Absolutely. I mean, you and you were ground zero and <clears throat> we knew so little at the beginning. So I think everybody was afraid, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everybody was. And, and, you know, they were looking for direction just, you know, as, as you think about, you know, even outside of 
the wall of our organizations, the world was looking, you know, for direction um, and understanding and, you know, just kind of working through all of all of that uncertainty. Um, but, you know, it it taught it taught us a lot. Um, you know, I think for me personally, uh, as a as a leader in a very large organization and, you know, my role of supporting, you know, three um, ministries that are in different states that have different state rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and thankfully, in in the same time zone. But um, <laughs> you know, it was um, I had to I had to learn as a leader how to best support. You know, and um, during the first few months of the pandemic, I began losing my balance and my structure. And I felt that, you know, I needed to be on, you know, in other words, working all the time. And it got to the point that I wasn't thinking clearly and nobody would have known that, but I knew that, you know, I knew that I wasn't at my best self. And I knew that, you know, I had folks that were relying on me um, and, and needed me to be clear thinking. And so, you know, fitness has been a part of my life for a while now and it helps me keep my energy my emotion my well-being and my focus you know kind of balanced um and i i declared to myself i'm like ani you you got to get back to that you have to get back to that routine and so i found ways to do it to where it wouldn't interrupt you know my day-to-day schedule but you know i got up early and you know walked outside it was still nice out right so walked outside for 45 minutes and put my earbuds on and listened to a podcast and really just centered myself and i tried to do that on the in the evenings as well um but it it kept kept me grounded and it kept me balanced and centered so that i could be you know the leader that i needed to be um for my team and for the organization uh so i you know i think while the pandemic has definitely created, um, you know, a great deal of suffering in our, in our country. It has also taught us some valuable lessons. Mm, It sure has. And thank you so much for sharing, you know, being a little bit vulnerable and sharing a, a personal story. I, so often we feel like we have to be perfect. And, uh, I think it helps us all when we, hear stories where someone recognizes the stress Mm -hmm. and talks about, you know, their very human um, ways of dealing with it. And so that's really valuable. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, and um, let's talk about women for a minute. You know, women have made slow, steady gains in achieving leadership positions. Um, gosh, Ani, you've had a couple of promotions just since I first met you. Congratulations on all of those. Um, but we know the gender gap still persists. Can you share maybe an experience that illustrates how you've overcome the barriers that women so often face? Yeah, you know, one that um, stays with me, you know, you always have that one or two, or maybe three or four experiences that um, always stay with you and and you try to remember them and create a difference with them. Um, 
And one that I have is, you know, I remember being in college and graduating and it was, you know, the, the career days where employers would come in and you'd interview, you know, for different jobs as um, a graduating college student. And I remember that, you know, one interview that I had, it was, um, I won't name the company, but it was with one of the big three automotives at the time. And the gentleman interviewing me had to be probably about 25 or 30 years, you know, um, older than me. And the job that I was interviewing for was an HR generalist, you know, working um, with unions. So it was on the labor team. And, and that was part of my study, you know, labor relations. And during the interview, sitting across from him, you know, he, he kind of leaned back in his chair and he said to me, you know, this is a tough role for a female. You'd have to deal, you know, with aggressive men. And when you're, you know, having disputes and, you know, negotiations and grievances, it's really tough job for a female. And I thought, what do I even say? (laughs) Right. Right. And, and so I just kind of left the meeting thinking, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to say that, but the fact that he even said that, like, what does that mean to me? You know, I'm 22 years old. I try to figure out like life and at that, you know, it it didn't hit me right away, but I, that experience never left me. And I I realized that people are going to see what I show them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what he saw was a young girl you know, newly graduating, soft-spoken, you know, five foot, right? Not, no experience, just college experience. And he's thinking she's going to get eaten up in this world, right? She's, she's, in, she's trying to step into a man's world, into a labor relations job with the UAW, et cetera. And she's going to get eaten alive. And I want to protect her from that. And you know, and I, at that point forward, I, I, I made it like a, just a personal mission of mine to, you know, show up with more confidence and not that I'm going to have confidence all the time, but it was just making small changes. You know, it was my posture, my tone, you know, how did I carry myself in a meeting? The, you know, um, did I go sit in the corner? Did I sit at the table? Did I raise, you know, did I speak up? Did I share? Did I ask a question? And, you know, and I think all of those things over time and, and not that I knew those answers, but I learned, you know, I watched other female leaders um, and I watched how they interacted. Uh, and, and I thought that's how I want to be. You know, I want to be seen as someone who um adds value, someone who can contribute, someone who can contribute to making the world better or making the situation better. Um, I did not want to be seen as that meek girl. I, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to hold my own. Um, And so, you know, looking back at it, I am so thankful that I had that experience. And, you know, while I can't remember his name and he probably doesn't even know I exist, um, he's helped make a change for me, um, for the better. That is such a wonderful story. Um, it, I think it's spot on in so many ways, Ani. Um, and it reminds me, I was, I was thinking 
you know, Sarah Thomas um, was just the first woman to officiate at, uh, you know, at the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And uh, she came and spoke to Inforum uh, right before, uh, a couple months before we went into, you know, the lockdown for COVID. Um, and she talked a lot about confidence and learning confidence. And it's all of the things that you mentioned both verbal and nonverbal that help create how people see you. And I love your quote, people are going to see what you show them. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, that's, that's one I've written down. I'm going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, so confidence is a big one. And I think, you know, um, I, as I mentor, you know, female women, men, you know, alike, um, confidence is something that I think we take for granted and it's such an important attribute, you know, and to feel comfortable in your own skin and to feel comfortable to ask that question that you might think is pretty, you know, misplaced or, you know, are people going to think, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's, you know, I, I think having confidence just works for you in on so many different levels, but it's hard. It is. It's hard, it you is. know. So, so the other one is trust. Um, it's often identified as a key element of leadership. Can you tell us how you've built trust amongst colleagues in the past and why you think it's worked? Yeah, you know, I think trust is definitely um, key to both you know, personal, organizational, and, and team success. And, you know, for me, Terry, I, I trust the people I work with from the onset and trust others and hope that I can inspire trust in them. Um, over the years, you know, I, I've learned that people look to their leader to treat them well and to be consistent, um, to speak openly and honestly about, you know, the good and the bad, right? To give that balanced feedback, um, but really to be authentic and to admit when you're wrong mm -hmm. and accept the feedback when the feedback is given, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, you know, learn from it um, rather than be turned off from it or offended. And, but I, I think, you know, trust is, not only just being consistent, because I think that's a really important element of it. People will go back to someone who they know they can rely on. They they're consistent. You know, they've listened to them. Um, but also, when you say you're going to do something, doing it right and following up on it. Um, and even if you're not the one that's actually going to do the action, but you're delegating it, how are you staying connected to that? You know, so I, I like to always sum up trust three with, you know, three phrases. One is be reliable, be a servant leader, you know, and, and be authentic. Um, and for me, those are, that's how I've led. That's how I lead. And, you know, I believe that I, I've generated um, trust from those that I work with, those that I serve with, um, and in those that I, you know, interact with. Hmm. Wonderful. Three memorable takeaways for us. 
So now one more question in this section. What blogs, podcasts, or other media do you engage with to generate new ideas? I love this question. Um, you know, I, of course, I have to say in forum, meet her, right? So you, <laughs> you've just, you've had a great lineup of leaders. And I've, I've listened to several, and I have definitely have learned quite a bit. Um, and it also, you know, what a great networking um, idea as well, you know, for us. Um, so thank you for, well, for thank you starting this podcast. <laughs> um, and, you know, the other ones that I really enjoy, I probably have about 10 or 15 in my, you know, podcast library, but um, what I've learned um, with Ariana Huffington is one. And, you know, she, she focuses on, you know, inspiring um, and deep, meaning stories that are, you know, anything from like marriage, work, children, finances, spiritual health, you know, and how, you know, it's like a female leader. Um, how do you thrive right in this chaotic world? And so, you know, she recently has, um, has been doing a lineup on sleep and sleep is something that I've been struggling with for so long. I'm sure so many people do. It's like, what's enough sleep is four hours enough is eight hours enough. And it's just been, you know, really interesting. Um, another one that I like is curious minds at work. And that one is with, um, Gail Allen. And this one's pretty cool because if you, are so busy that you don't have time to listen to a full audiobook or read a book. Um, she interviews authors who focus on on ways to make you know work or personal life, you know, more productive, more creative, and, and more meaningful. And um, you know, one of the episodes that I, I listened to probably about a couple months ago. Maybe it was January, well, maybe it was last month, um, is with Frances Fry. And she's she's the author of the book Unleashed, um, The Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everyone Around You. And, you know, great book, great author. But I, I was like, thankfully, I stumbled upon, you know, that clip because I have like a stack of five books that I, I still need to finish reading. Um, but well, not talks- if you're going to get the eight hours of sleep that Ariana Huffington tells you you're going <laughs> right. to get. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it's it's just such a great podcast that um, you can pick up, you know, tidbits and insights and, and different creative thoughts um, and even engage in discussion, you know, with people you work with or even family around them. Um, So that's a really good one. And then one that's totally unrelated to like, you know, work or personal like growth is um, it's a podcast called Convicted. And, you know, it's a cold case podcast and just really interesting you know it's like a series it's like a Netflix series but on a podcast and um it just one that always captures my attention and you know as a family when we took our last road trip you know we we would listen to it and um just really fun fabulous I love I love the variety of what you shared that's great (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that so so Ani, before you go, can you share with us a story about how you used, or even maybe a time when you wish you'd used 
a key leadership competency and why that mattered? Yeah, I, um, you know, one is self-awareness. Um, you probably picked up during our conversation, you know, that I, I like to create um, memorable, memorable moments from my experiences and, and, and observations, right? So like the, the gentleman I interviewed with that, that situation, what did I learn from it? And how do I, how do I grow from that? And so, you know, leaning on, on self-awareness. And I think as a leader, um, you have to, you have to be aware of yourself, you know, and, and how your behavior can have either a positive or a negative impact on others. Um, and, you know, if you want to aspire to be a leader, you know, it's, you, your role is to guide, to direct, to inspire, to motivate, right? And even in, in the darkest times or the, the best of times, how are we doing that? And, you know, I'm human, I'm failable, and um, I don't always wake up on the right side of the bed, but I know that I have, I have a husband, I have a family, and I have people that I work with that look up to me and look to me um, to help inspire them, to give them confidence, to give them direction. And so before I get my day started, I have to get my attitude right. And, you know, I, I had a leader who um, was opposite of that. And every day going in, you know, to work, this was early on in my career, I never knew what to expect. Mm. I never knew how she'd come into work. Um, even during the middle of the day, I never knew, you know, what her mood was going to be. And it really affected me. It impacted, you know, how I showed up at work. And, you know, and I said, I was a manager at the time. And I said, I, I don't want to be like that. And, and so I, I took note of it. And I said, I, I need to be self-aware. I need to always be self-aware of myself. I can't be perfect. And I'm not saying you're always going to be um, the best version of yourself, but if I'm having a bad day, that's my problem, right? If I'm, if I went to bed late and I woke up crabby, that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. um, if I'm hangry, you know, and I didn't eat for six hours, it's my problem. It's not the other person's problem. And so, you know, I think just recognizing um, how we engage, how we motivate, how, you know, we're focused on building collaboration, you know, and collaboration brings innovation. It invites, you know, diverse thoughts and um, it, it just a, a very powerful outcome is that you just got to take note of how you show up. Right, right, right. Ah, oh, what a great story. So many great stories, Ani, really. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and, and just for, for being authentic and uh, vulnerable and sharing some hard-won lessons. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Terry. I really appreciate you. And thank you for all that you are doing um, for our community of, of leaders emerging and um, aspiring as well. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks. <clears throat> so that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out season one, as well as meet him, 
a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. And don't forget to check out our growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and our calendar of virtual events. Thank you so much for joining us today.